Welcome to episode four of the One True Path podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. And today we are ready to move into John chapter one. So I don't want to waste any time because we're going to start to see God's promises being fulfilled. So let's start with verse one. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. So here John is using the word prose uh, for the word with. So the word was with God, the word was prose God. And prose means toward. So it's implying a face-to-face interaction. So he is putting God and Jesus as equals. And then it says the word was God. John here is using the word logos for word. So the logos was God. So the Jews use this word to refer to God himself. And the Gentiles or the non-Jews use logos as the ordering uh, principle of the universe. So this is how they order day and night, winter and summer, etc. So John is using a word that is universally understood. And he takes this word and claims that God of creation, the ultimate mind of the universe, has taken on human form. So in verse 2 it says, He existed in the beginning with God. So this is how we can translate these verses. Jesus was always in the beginning. Jesus was equal with God. Jesus always was God. So John is declaring right from the start that Jesus's co-eternity, co-equality, and co-identity with the God, the Father. So Jesus is God. Verse three, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. So this is telling me and hopefully you that we have no basis for our pride because we were created um, and we have not done anything on our own. Verse four, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. So physically as a creator, he brought life in being and spiritually as a redeemer, he gives life eternally. And it goes on to say, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So this is the basic truth um, in the foundation of Christianity. He never ceased to be the eternal God. He is the creator and the sustainer of all things and is the source of all life. So if we don't believe this basic truth, then we don't have faith in him with our eternal life. So here John is laying out the theme of the book that Jesus is the son of God. All right, so let's keep reading to verse 6. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone may believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. So here, just like John the Baptist, we are not the source of light. We only reflect it after after God removes the darkness of sins from our lives through Jesus. Verse 9. The one who is the true light who gives light to the to everyone, so he's saying to everyone, the world, uh, was coming into the world. Verse 10, he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and to his own people he was referring to Israel, the Jewish nation, and even they rejected him. So here we see the world is charged with ignorance because they didn't know about Jesus. They didn't know about Messiah. But here, Israel is charged with unbelief because they've heard the prophecies. Verse 12, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So here's where we've heard the human side of salvation, which comes to sinners by receiving Jesus. And notice it said, he gave the right. It doesn't say we've earned the right. And this emphasizes 
that the grace and will of God in giving the gift of salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's a gift. All right, verse 13. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but the birth that comes from God. Verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So here it says we have seen his glory. So it's it's taking us back to an Old Testament where God's presence was in the tabernacle and in the tents. And we see him presented as a cloud. And this cloud was signifying that his covenant, covenant of faithfulness and love was true. So Jesus, we could say, is the Shekinah glory of God wrapped in flesh. I know that's a weird thing to imagine, a glory being wrapped in flesh, but let's let's just roll with it. So Jesus has become the perfect teacher, the perfect example, and the perfect sacrifice. So we see that he's completely human and he's completely divine. So John, uh, and let's continue on with verse 15. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, And I just want to talk about that this is not John, the author of the book. This is John the Baptist. So I just want to make that clarification. Um, When we say John, it's always John the Baptist here. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. So he was born before Jesus. John the Baptist was born before Jesus. And we don't see it here because we don't, this book doesn't tell us about the birth of Jesus, but we can read it in other gospels. Um, He was actually a cousin, if I'm not mistaken, through his mother, Mary. So what does John mean he existed before me if John was born first? Okay, so again, going back to what we just read, Jesus has always been. Verse 16, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Not, I'm sorry, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself, God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So so here the law that they're talking about, it revealed God's justice, but it didn't make known his mercy. And it testified to his righteousness, but it didn't exhibit his grace. So the law was designed as a way to demonstrate unrighteousness of man um, and the need for a savior. So let's, let's break down these differences between the law and Jesus. The law condemns, grace forgives. The law binds and grace sets free. Law manifests what is in man, which is sin, whereas grace manifests what is in God, which is love. And the law demanded righteousness and grace gives righteousness. Law speaks to what must be done, whereas grace tells us what Jesus did for us. So Moses delivered the law, and Jesus fulfilled the law. So let's just talk about grace for a second, because that's a word that we hear a lot. So grace is defined as God's unmerited favor. Okay? Verse 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? So we see here that the leaders are being uh, brought onto the scene and they're seeing the impact that John the Baptist is having and they've come to question him. 
Um, he had not, John the Baptist had not been trained by rabbis and he held no position in the temple and he was not a religious leader. So he was not a Pharisee or a Sadducee. And you see the Pharisee and the Sadducees believed that they were the religious leaders and they outwardly obeyed the laws, but inwardly their hearts were filled with pride and greed and they didn't really uphold any kind of love or mercy or grace for anyone. They were all about checking boxes to see if you've done what you were supposed to do. Um, so you would think that they would be happy in this moment that they have an extra person there to teach people about the word, right? But they wanted to know who had commissioned him and who put him in an authority to tell people to repent. Verse 20, he came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. So John just flat out says, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Messiah. Verse 21, well then who are you? They ask, are you Elijah? So they ask if he's Elijah because the Jews expect Elijah to come before the Messiah. And that's based in Malachi um, chapter 4, verse 5. No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah was a prophet who had been warning Israel about the rise of Babylon to describe the future restoration of Israel. So he's saying, basically here, he's using an Old Testament prophet to declare what he's, what he's doing. He says, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. So Jesus Christ is the word and John the Baptist is the voice. And John's mission is to bear witness to the word. He's the witness to um, he's bearing witness to Jesus. Verse 24, Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, If you aren't the Messiah or Elijah, Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? So the problem here is John is baptizing Jews, and he has, remember, he's not a rabbi. He hasn't been trained in the temple. And furthermore, this wasn't normal because only non-Jews were baptized when they converted to Judaism. And John here is baptizing Jewish people. So he was helping people with a symbolic act of repentance. See, I don't believe that baptism saves you. It's not required based on this. So I would compare baptism to a wedding ring. You know, you can be married without wearing a wedding ring. And the wedding, the wedding ring symbol, symbolizes um, that you are uh, married. It shows others that you, what you've chosen in your heart. And that's exactly what baptism does. It shows an inward decision that you made to make Jesus your Lord and Savior of your life. The baptism isn't what saves you. It's your decision to follow Jesus. Verse 26, John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be a slave, to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. So John understood who Jesus was. Um, was and his pride and self-importance has melted away. He's not even worthy, he says. Verse 28, this encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. The next day when, uh, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the Lamb of God sounds like an unusual title to give someone. But this is kind of like an understanding based on Jewish culture. So every morning and evening at the temple during their feast, lambs were symbolic substitutes for the people's sins. So this this symbolic substitution 
of sin was a foreshadowing of Jesus. So God promised that he would provide himself a, provide himself a lamb in Genesis 22 when Abraham almost sacrificed his son as God tested Abraham's faith. So to pay for the penalty of sin, there had to be a sacrifice. And we're going to see Jesus providing himself as that substitution. And Israel was present um, with Jesus in the way that that they that they needed. They expected their Messiah to deliver them from Roman rule, and they had no desire for a crucified lamb. And they would have welcomed him on a throne, but they're going to deny him at the altar. Verse 30, he is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. So remember, John and Jesus were related. So John knew Jesus, right? He already knew him as family. But it wasn't until the moment of baptism where John fully understood who he was. And it kind of gives me chill bumps thinking about it because he was probably baptizing Jesus here. And then all of a sudden, you know, he hears this voice and it's described in other gospels more fully the detail of his baptism. That this is my chosen son who I'm well pleased, you know, and he sees this dove descend. So John realizes at this moment that my relative Jesus is the Messiah. So John was baptizing with water to prepare for how Jesus would be baptized or how Jesus would baptize and that was with the Holy Spirit. Verse 35, the following day John was again standing with two disciples and this is John and Andrew and you will see later on that they actually follow Jesus and become his disciples. Verse 36, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? So Jesus is asking them what did they want because he's asking them a heart-searching question. To design. It is designed to test their motives. He wants to know, are you here for the right reasons? Verse 39, Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. So I find it interesting that John points out what time it was that they followed Jesus and remained with him the rest of the day, because that must have been a memorable moment in, the, in his life for him to actually remember the time of day. Um, chapter 40, I'm sorry, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the, these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. So the first thing Andrew did was go lead his brother to Jesus. And we'll see John will do the same thing later with his brother James. Verse 42, Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John. But you will be called, and I'm going to say this name wrong, Cephas. I don't know if that's right, but we're going to roll with it, which means Peter. Thankfully, we can call him Peter from now on. Um, he changed Simon, so he changed Simon's name to Peter, 
which means rock. And he is declaring how Jesus, how he, Jesus, will transform him and use him in the foundation of his church. So Jesus saw who Peter would become. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, "We have found the very person Moses and the pro- who we have found the very person who Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth." Nazareth! exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come see for yourself, Philip replied. So what is with this comment from Nathanael? He sounds pretty hateful. Like, what can come? What's good out of Nazareth? But Nathaniel was from a neighboring town, so it sounds like there's some neighborly feuding maybe between the two. So verse 47, as they approached, Jesus said, Now there is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. So here this phrase, under the fig tree, uh, was used to describe someone sitting and meditating on the word. So Nathaniel, now Nathaniel, if you remember from our last episode, um, is one of the seven people in the book of John who bears witness to Jesus's deity. Verse 49, then Nathaniel, Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. So we see a change of heart here. Nathaniel doubted that anything good could come out of Nazareth, and now he's declaring um, Jesus as the son of God, the king of Israel. So imagine if we believe stereotypes, like we just, we hear a stereotype and we believe it and we never act on anything differently. And if he did that and he never went to see who Jesus was because he was from Nazareth, he would have never really known Jesus. Verse 50, Jesus asked him, do you believe this because I told you? So do you believe I'm the son of God because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will see all heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So here we hear him saying, you're going up and down, and this is like a ladder-like type, okay? And it's pointing to Christ as the link, because he says that you're going to be going up and down on the Son of Man. So Jesus serves as that ladder between heaven and earth, or the link between heaven and earth. And this is a reference to uh, a dream in the Old Testament that Jacob had. So here, the people of Israel are looking for someone to give them security in an unsecure world, you know, under this Roman rule. And we are seeing John the Baptist as the first person on the scene, along with his disciples, who would later become Jesus's disciples. And as Christians, our job is to do the same thing and show that Jesus is the one to seek. So join me on the next episode for chapter two, where we're going to start off with Jesus's first miracle.